Do you ever want to watch a bad movie? Do you ever hate yourself so much that you want to put on a movie that makes you want to rip out your own eyeballs? Welcome to the worst movies ever. Probably. My name's Dottie James and I am so, so scared of horror films. And I'm Patty Walters and I really like watching people die in horror films. So we compromised and made a podcast where we watch terrible horror films. They're so bad. Not scary at all. So there are three things that I say at the beginning of this podcast every time that we do this podcast. But before I get to those three things, I'm going to include a uh, trigger warning in regards to this film and some of its subject matter that we, we dive into. So firstly, Manos, The Hands of Fate features cults, and it also features some non-consensual groping and touching. And it's not entirely excellent to watch. So do keep that in mind before you go any further. Uh, but the three things I say at the beginning of this podcast, every time we do this podcast are firstly, Halloween is just around the corner and you should stay inside because there's a fucking pandemic absolutely everywhere. Keep yourself safe. Keep absolutely everybody else around you safe. Secondly, on the 3rd of November, there's a very important election that you may have heard about. And if you're a citizen of the United States of America, I think you should vote if you have the means to uh, vote for whoever you want, but I think Donald Trump is the worst, so just keep that in mind. And thirdly, we are going to spoil absolutely everything about Manos, The Hands of Fate, so if you have not seen this film and do not want the the boring, pointless events of this film spoiled, then uh, avert your ears. But if you're still here, hey, how are you? Thanks for listening. Today we're watching Manos, The Hands of Fate. Yeah. How's that make <laughs> you feel? <laughs> I'm just pleased I don't have to watch it again. Yeah, you never have to watch this film again. But you've seen it now, and you're stronger having gone through it. I'm older having <laughs> gone through it. I don't know if there's anything that I can say to sort of brace people for the, this film. Nope. It's unlike any movie that has ever existed. It's it's bad. It's very bad. <laughs> But with that said, let's jump into the episode. How do we start the episode? I hate this. I don't even want to do <laughs> How this. How do we start? Uh, I don't even want to do this. Like this, <laughs> I'm left speechless by how not even bad this is. It doesn't deserve bad. It's just, it's just, it's just, it is what it is and it's awful. It is, it is what it is. S-O-C-K-S, as they say in Spanish. You know what else they say in Spanish? They say manos. Oh, God. Okay, so this film is called Manos, the Hands of Fate, which, when translated entirely into English, is Hands, the, the Hands, hands of, of Fate. fate. <laughs> uh, direct, well, not just directed, written, produced, Starred directed, in. and starring Harold P. Warren. He's just a guy. He's just a that guy. That makes him sound very important. Harold but. P. Warren was part of like the El Paso, Texas, like theater community. Okay. Um, but his job, he was a fertilizer salesman. Aww. And then we have uh, a small cast of people. We'll get into all of them. But like how this was, uh, this was his vision. This was his like project. Do you want to guess the budget or do you just want me to tell you? Is it like 10 pounds? $19,000 is the budget. No. Which is also surprising when you consider that nobody was paid. I can believe that. Technically, the only two members of the cast that were paid for their performances mm. uh, was Jackie Neiman-Jones, who is the little girl. Oh. Uh, she got a bicycle. 
Oh. And the Doberman who got a bag of dog food. Oh. So that those were the only two people who got paid. Nobody else who worked on this movie got anything. So uh, so please, please, yeah, please, right. before we say anything else, just tell everyone what the film is about. I guess Manos the Hands of Fate is about a family. It's about a mom, a dad, a daughter, and their dog. They're driving to a place called Valley Lodge. Uh, they get lost, and it's going to get dark soon, even though it's like blinding daylight outside. When so they, they keep saying that, So yeah. they, they stay uh, at the master's house, and all sorts of shit kind of goes wrong from there. Yes. So let's just dive into it, because, I mean, we've, we've talked about half the movie already. So the film opens up. And it's just fucking chaos from the first moment. So yes. like, yeah. it's so, just chaos. So in the way that we spoke about The Wicker Man being nothing wrong with the production of the film, like the the sound, the cinematography, everything made sense. Everything was professional standard. This is the opposite of that. Yeah. Where yeah. even the sound, even the voices are not, live recorded on set they are dubbed over poorly so poorly so poorly um the scenes last three minutes longer than they should with no dialogue in between yeah they say the piece of information they're supposed to say and then and then the scene just continues yeah there there were shots on the camera there were parts of this write-up where i would like count how long a shot would take Mm -hmm. and when i say that it takes like a minute Mm -hmm. when i say it takes an actual literal minute. It takes 60 seconds for a scene for Mm -hmm. one shot to play out. Mm -hmm. That doesn't even describe how painfully slow. It's like you're sitting through a short eternity while you watch this shit. Like it takes forever. It's like they're trying to test the audience's patience. It's like if it were an art piece that was about testing your patience, this would do really well at that because yeah. it's so infuriating to have to sit there and watch the actor <laughs> rock back and forth yeah. looking at the other actor yeah. with no dialogue none at all well i guess here so here's the other two things i omitted from the trivia but i mean we can't go any further without talking about it so they filmed the entirety of this movie on one handheld camera oh God. that couldn't shoot any longer than 32 seconds at a time <gasps> And couldn't record sound. No. So no on-set sound is being recorded. The The entire film is overdubbed by three people. So there's really? two men and one woman. That sounds about right. Because there's a scene with a police officer and Hal that is same the guy. same man talking to himself. Same guy for sure. Most notably, this is, this is clear, abundantly clear, horrifyingly clear. When six-year-old Debbie <laughs> has any lines in this movie... Because it is clearly the voice of an adult woman impersonating a child. Yes. What's her name? Jackie Neiman Jones, the the girl who played Debbie, the mm-hmm. little girl who's six. Um, so excited to be making a movie. Uh, cried when she heard her voice dubbed. Oh, no. She cried when she saw it because it was so bad. Of course. The six-year-old. The six-year-old cried. cried. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, maybe other people cried. Poor when girl. they. Yeah, it's pretty sad. Can you talk about how long the film is to start 70-something minutes. It's yeah. not even a full feature, like 90-minute length feature film Thank here. God. Um, so the film opens. It's, it's chaos. It's fucking chaos. The, it's in the middle of a song. And all of the songs in this film are just frantic chaotic like freeform jazz songs and they are awful they're just like 
painful to listen to. Yeah, it's like being at a middle school band performance. And there's just like, bam, like stabs on the piano. And then the snare is just going, da 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 Like, and it's just it's chaos. And I, we watched it yesterday and I had like a caffeine migraine and it was such a bad choice. And it was like, Again, like we just can't get past the first shot without talking about how tough this is to watch. It was hellish. It was like it, it was like a weird idea of hell. Yeah. Where you're like, oh, this film is still happening. And we keep getting sidetracked because it's just it's so unlike anything else that you feel like you have to describe it. But you, you just don't have the adjectives. You can't. There's nothing that describes it. There's and no please, yeah. please. Do not go and watch this film. Please watch it. No, don't. It nobody, is excellent. Nobody and you know why you should because it's film. just on YouTube. No, just find it no, on no, YouTube listen, for listen, free. Listen, it's great. Listen, do not do that to yourself. It's bad. It's not even bad in a funny way. It's just bad. It's a waste of your heartbeat. Leave it alone. Right. So let's get back to the first shot. The first <laughs> shot in this movie is in the middle of a song, a chaotic jazz song, and we're like rapidly panning to the right already. Like it's mid pan and we're showing everybody what we're looking at. And it's this like stuttering handheld motion sickness inducing sequence all to establish, okay, we're high up and we're near a road. Yep. And the second shot isn't really any better. It's supposed to establish like the same setting, but it's a shot of mostly dirt. So we've established where the film is set, sort of, and then we see a convertible pull off the main road, and it parks, at which point we meet jack-of-all-trades, Harold P. Warren's character, Michael, wife Margaret, daughter Debbie, little dog Peppy. Peppy. Yeah. Best part of the film. Best part of this film. Well, there's two dogs in this film, and they're both the best parts of this film. So Margaret faces the back seat and lets little Debbie know that they're almost there, where ever there is we're never told (laughs) it doesn't matter i guess nope so debbie overdubbed by an adult woman impersonating an actual child says i'm cold mother and hungry (laughs) and it's weird and that's fine because it happens a lot in this movie so you're just gonna have to get used to it um And we're holding this shot just forever, like every other shot in this movie. Yeah. Debbie's cold again. So she joins her parents up in the front seat and they sing, row, row, row your boat and the family drive away. Because I guess that's all they had money for because it doesn't cost anything. Sure. Well, so later down the road, the family are pulled over by some local police officers. Uh, The main cop, he writes them a ticket for their busted taillight saying, no excuses, running late, first vacation, kid getting tired too bad michael with the same voice yes uh suggests you could just hey why don't you just not give us a ticket and the cop's like yeah you're right no ticket that's fine so they're like all the dubbing is done by this one guy and two women on it's, this film? it's two guys and one woman that's it um and i'm pretty sure hal's doing both these guys right yeah because it sounds like he is just talking to himself that is how it sounds so the family drive away We're now treated to two more minutes of pointless, boring shots of the surrounding scenery. Just talking about it is making me angry. (laughs) Like, it's like we have to relive it and I don't want to. (laughs) Well, I guess. All right. So this is also part of the trivia is that the the credits were supposed to go here and they never did. That makes sense. They didn't end up here. I don't know. They have closing credits. They don't have opening credits. It's so punishing. All right. So now we cut to two 
teenagers, quote unquote, and they're making out in a car. Um, the family drive past. The couple stop kissing just to say, I wonder where they're going. Nothing's up there. And then they kiss some more. Yeah. The girl and the guy are making out, both of whom are much, much, much older than teenagers. Big time. She didn't even move her mouth. And this loud voice yeah. comes out going, where are they going? Yeah. And it's just like, oh my God. <laughs> oh, it's just so diabolical. And it happens so many more times than I can really mention. Yeah. Because it's just like, you get used to it. You yeah. get desensitized to how little sense it makes and how technically unforgivable it is. Yes. But voices come from mouths that aren't moving and the other way around. It's just mm-hmm. like, it is like mouths move and there's no sound and it's just a mess. And and if the mouth and the voices are coming at the same time, very rarely are they saying the same thing. <laughs> yeah. So the family's driving again, but the camera's looking over Michael's shoulder from within the car and we see out the windscreen now. And that's like a big fucking change. That's nice. Well, for a viewer, yeah, because we've just been looking out the window the whole time. This is like exciting. <laughs> so they're lost. Michael knows they're lost, but he's way too proud to ask for directions. Besides, the sign pointed this way. And honestly, him being too proud to ask for directions is more character development than we're going to get throughout the rest of this movie. Like, we've learned something significant about a character he here. does fall down a lot. Several times? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we're literally 10% of the way through this movie right now. It's it's sev- We're seven minutes in to a 70 minute movie. And now we get more driving and more driving. So we cut back to the couple kissing and now the same cops from earlier bust them for kissing and they drive away. And that was that whole scene. Family is still lost during which we watch a long and agonizing shot of Michael doing like a 10 point turn trying to get out of wherever they go. (laughs) So after more driving, they arrive at a most strange and secluded house, perched at the front door, holding a black staff with a gnarled hand at the top, is Torgo, who watches the place while the master is away. Torgo is drunk throughout this whole thing. You're not too far off. He has to... Oh, wait, really? John Reynolds, the actor playing Torgo, had some pretty serious drug problems. That makes sense. No, he was oh, no. he was a somewhat tortured guy that who sucks. had some drug oh, problems. No. Uh, took his life less than a year after this movie oh, came no. out. Well, he might have been a good actor. And I mean, I kind of think his del- his performance is better yeah. than anybody else's in this film. Oh, fully. So, Torgo... His face is twitching. His body's like convulsing all the way through this movie. But right now he's just sitting there. The family are just clearly disgusted by him, but they get out to ask directions anyway. And that takes forever in itself. It takes a really long time. So basically they ask for directions. Torgo says, there's no way out. It'll be dark soon. There's no way out of here. Uh, People say the same line twice a lot in this movie. Michael invites his own family inside to stay the night at this point. Margaret hates the idea. Torgo hates it even more. And we're just stuck here while they repeat the same sentences over and over and over. Arguing over chaotic jazz. Just more chaotic jazz. A full, like... Five minutes? It's a long time. It's not five minutes. It's like 10 seconds, but it feels like five minutes. It's got to be longer than that. No. They go around and around and around and around. It's less than a minute, but it feels like forever. I feel like that lasted as long as the driving. It's agonizing to watch. So Torgo finally gives in, but the master's going to be pissed about this. So Torgo walks over to grab the family's bags to reveal his legs. Yeah. Okay. What's up with those? So. 
apparently he was supposed to be a satyr. Which is a fawn-like person, yeah. right? Yeah, I thought so. But that got scrapped. Oh. But he also made his own prosthetic knees. Okay. And <laughs> oh, no. built them into the character. No, I feel bad. I know, but that's that's what happened. Well, because that, um, that's what I thought. So basically they were like, you're supposed to be a satyr, but actually no. And he goes, but actually yes. Yeah, pretty, that's exa- yeah he was like, nah, I'm feeling that. So yeah. he builds his own prosthetic knees. Um, it's really sad because I feel like I can't, I mean, you can't really make fun of him at all. The rest of the cast, however. (laughs) Yeah. So he's got his own Torgo theme, right? He does. It goes (laughs) just over and over. It's not great. While we watch him slowly sort of like tumble around with the bags. Yeah. yeah, He's just staggering all around. Gets to the boot of the car, gets the bags. And the the Torgo theme starts again and he walks back to the house. All right. So Michael, Margaret, Debbie, and Peppy are all inside at this point. And they glance around the most peculiar room that they've found themselves in. And there's some sort of shrine to hands all over the mantelpiece, completed by a portrait of the master and his vicious devil dog sat beside him. They stare at this painting for what feels like forever. Meanwhile... Here comes Torgo and he walks through the scene. Um, nobody looks at him or speaks to him. He just nope. do, 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 do. And that happens for 10 seconds. And now they're back to looking at the portrait. All right. Now Torgo's back and he explains that the master's not dead in the way you know it. He is with us always. Not dead in the way you know it. He is with us always. And that's yeah. now. I think they just reuse that audio twice for some Maybe. reason. I think he says it two different ways, though. I think it's oh, like, a, I think it's a choice. Ugh. I think they made that choice also we later find out that the master is just a normal guy <laughs> who is not with them always yeah he's just he's just a guy he's just asleep out back yes yeah so suddenly there's a howl from outside and peppy runs out the door towards the sinister sound the two animals we never are now- find out what that is no i think it's implied that it's the, the doberman but it also could oh, just... Oh, really? Well, maybe. I don't know. There's like the sound of animals fighting, but it could just be any animal that's out in the desert. Yeah. So literally what Michael explains to his daughter yeah. might actually be what Nobody sees it happen. So Michael runs out to save his dog. He's got like a flashlight and a gun, but he's too late and Peppy's been slain by some elusive beast. It could literally just be like a fox. Yeah. So even Michael has finally had enough of this place now. But when he turns the key in the car's ignition... Nothing. Meanwhile, Torgo is just watching Margaret unpack like a total sleaze. Yeah, I don't understand gross. why. So they're upstairs. Torgo's just watching Wait, her there unpack. Are stairs? There might not be stairs. I think you lit- I think it's literally just room room. It's like a bungalow. I, I guess so. the exterior of the house kind of makes it look that way. Yeah. I just kind of like internalized it as like up and down stairs. Oh, no, I always that's- thought because people looking at the windows as well in the bedroom you're right i just i just figured they didn't think about that no i think i think it's i think it's a bungalow situation (laughs) all right so it's more clever than i gave it credit for i guess so margaret's in the bedroom she's unpacking torgo just watches her unpack like a total fucking sleaze uh she lets torgo know that she's like sick of this place and all of its bullshit he reminds her that it's too unsafe to leave besides the master wants her and she's like perplexed and repulsed 
perfect mood for Torgo to make the most skin-crawlingly awkward pass at Margaret, looking her all up and down, his twitching fingers running through her hair. This lasts another short lifetime. Oh, God, it's forever. Margaret is just statue still and deeply disturbed until she administers the first of countless slaps to come throughout this movie. Yes. There's a lot of slapping. The only form of like self-defense that (laughs) this film employs. Right. So she screams for her husband. She's like a helpless, terrible stereotype of a woman. Oh, yeah. So she screams for her husband. He's still at the car. Meanwhile, Debbie has been on her own this whole fucking time. Yeah. Debbie's What's been that just about? Like, Debbie literally, they walk into the house. Debbie goes and sits on the sofa and stays there while they spend actually like 10 minutes looking at the painting, talking about how awful it is, repeating their lines again, talking about how awful it is, repeating their lines again. Yep. It's so, uh, it's awful. I can't, I can't. You you carry on. I can't do it. <laughs> so yeah, they, they establish how much they hate this room yes. and they're like, this is the perfect place to leave our six-year-old daughter alone. Yeah. Unchaperoned completely. Everybody comes back at once now. Um, So Michael, Margaret, and Torgo are all back with Debbie. No car, no phone, no choice but to stay the night here. Debbie, however, chooses this moment when everybody's around to sneak out the door, which she does. Her parents, none the wiser, are saying, okay. They've been staring at the painting. Yeah, and I wrote down the lines because it's just- So whilst they're looking at this painting- Debbie just gets up and walks out the front door. She just fucks off. Or well, she I mean, goes her parents look- have been staring at a painting for 20 minutes. Yeah, so. or she's gone looking for her dog. Um, yeah. I don't know. So Margaret says, I'll never forget this place. Peppy's gone. I hope Debbie will understand. Michael goes, she'll understand. She's my baby. She'll understand. Mags goes, I hope so, darling. I hope so. And he goes, she's my baby. She'll understand. Oh, shit. Where's Debbie? Right. That way that you deliver those lines is like indistinguishable from how they deliver them in the film. Yeah. That's the level of acting that we're talking about here. So they're outside. They call her name. Nothing. Uh, Margaret breathily sobs for what feels like another eternity. Um, And so look, Debbie is back and she has the devil dog from the portrait with her, except that he's like the friendliest looking Doberman you've ever seen. He's so cute. <laughs> he's really, he's just always smiling when yeah. he's in shot. Um, also, this Doberman was Debbie's dog. No uh, way. With Jackie's dog. Yeah, the actress. Yeah, yeah. That was oh, their family dog. That's cute. Also, the master, Debbie's dad. Ugh. So, all right. I keep saying <laughs> what a Debbie. vile man. So Jackie's dad is the actor playing the master. Yeah. Jackie's dog is the Doberman. Yes. I don't know anything about Peppy. But yeah, and but yeah, like um his name's Scott Neiman. The um, dog. <laughs> <laughs> not the dog. The actor playing the master is called Scott Neiman. Okay. Um and he did like a he did a fair bit. He and his wife, his wife I don't think was involved in this movie in any other way than really? she he has six wives in she, this film. Stop it. The real the actor, <laughs> his actual wife. Yes. Um made his cloak. Really? Yeah, so she fucking smashed that one. Yeah. That's the only cool shit in this movie. Yeah. And then Scott made the portrait. He painted that portrait of himself of and his did. dog. 
He also gave himself all his monologues because Hal was fine with him just like staring into the lens and that's it. I hate that. I don't know if he was going to have any other lines. He was so bad. So bad. He's very John Cleese looking actually. Yeah, he looks a lot like Basil Fawlty for sure. But now we're back inside and her parents are like, where the fuck did you go and where the fuck did you find that good boy? (laughs) And I quote. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So... The adult woman impersonating the voice of a child babbles some incoherent shit like, it was a big place and it was dark, but I wasn't afraid of the dark and something, something funny people, maybe. The only thing I can kind of compare her voice acting to is when in old cartoons, adult people would impersonate crying babies and they'd just go, wah. Right. And that's like the sound of a crying baby, apparently. That's like the level of effort that goes into Debbie's voice. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Um, So so we're outside now. It's dead of night. The family tiptoe towards some ancient stone ruins in the desert or something. There's pillars arranged in this large circle and tied to each pillar is a woman. It's quite eerie. Each woman is wearing a white dress each woman has some makeup possibly suggesting that they're dead. I don't really know what's going on. I don't know if these people are dead or if they're just asleep. Yeah, I, I don't, don't get know. it. Yeah, I don't know either. And we've watched the whole film. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. In the center of the circle of women is a man, the man from the portrait, motionless, <gasps> horizontal across a long stone slab, almost like it's his casket. That's kind of how it looks. And his cute devil dog is there too, near a flaming hand statue because Manos. Sure. That's why. They never explain who this god is. Like They don't. They don't really. What he does. No, they explain that Manos, translated as hands, yep. is like some sort of devil-like god, I guess. Do they say that? They say God at some point. And like part of the like speech that the master gives later is like, uh, and we'll get there, but it's like creature of the night, like dwelleth in the deepest depths of hell, blah, blah, blah. So like Manos is like devilish, the the devil, I guess. Right. But But he's called hands. What does he want? Does Manos just want this man to have many wives? Because that sort of seems like that's all they're achieving out there. Yeah, I guess. His yeah. motivation is super unclear. Yeah. I don't know what Hans wants. No. <laughs> it's called the hands of fate, but nothing fateful occurs. No, of course not. Nothing happens. No. Anyway. Um, all right. So, so the family are frightened and they bail. They go back inside. Michael sends his wife and daughter, I was going to say upstairs, but it's into the bedroom so he can find Torgo. Uh, Torgo has some explaining to do, but I would argue Torgo has no explaining to do. He was like, the master of the place isn't going to like you guys. Just fuck off. Yeah. He tried to tell them to leave. Torgo doesn't have any explaining to do. And he explains that the master isn't dead the way you know it. And the master likes you, his wife. And it's like, fuck. It's like Torgo said all this shit. Torgo's been very, very honest, actually. There's been zero secrecy yeah. on Torgo's part. Yeah, so me- it's like he's been going, you're going to die. Do not come here. And they've been going, we would like to come here. We're coming inside. How dare you kill us? <laughs> 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 they find out. That's what it's like. So meanwhile, 
Torgo drops by the ruins. He makes an angry, jealous speech to the unconscious crowd. He's like, I want Margaret. You get all these wives and Torgo don't get no shit. Even you pointing at the master's first wife. He doesn't want you anymore. And now I don't even want you. Then we get an encore of Torgo's nasty ass groping. Yeah, Uh, not cool. Yeah, but now it's to someone who's either asleep or dead. I don't know. It's gross. And then he leaves. New scene. Michael runs outside. End of scene. That was it. Yep. So Margaret's in the bedroom and she's putting on a nightdress. Torgo watches through the window. Debbie's asleep. That's it for that scene. There's going to be a lot of scenes like this, like that just nothing happens. That's what happens in the whole film. Yeah. So outside, Torgo knocks out Michael with his big hand staff. See, that's eventful. That's eventful. It's also a shot that lasts about three seconds. Yeah. Directly juxtaposed while we watch in agony as Torgo drags Michael and ties him to a tree and it takes so long. It takes forever. That the music stops and has to start again. (laughs) In the middle of him doing this. There's no, nothing to help your attention stay there. It's just one actor painstakingly dragging another one across the floor. And the camera is perfectly static. Yep. There's nothing else going on. You're just stuck (laughs) watching this happen. Once he finally succeeds, we then have to sit and watch him try to run through sand on his DIY knee prosthetics. And he trips and he gets up and he trips again and he gets up again. And it's just takes forever. It's it's awful. One thing about this film that is constant is everyone falls over a lot. (laughs) Like a lot. I don't think anyone I think doesn't fall was, over by the end of the movie. I think they thought it was like dramatic to have people fall over. Right. But it's actually just super clumsy and bad. I mean, like, do you remember when you were like a kid and you'd yeah. like do pretend falls and yeah. stuff and you like imagined it being super cool looking, right? Yeah. I think it's just that, but these are adults doing it um, as part of like a feature film that they're making. I was watching that and I was vividly flung back to a childhood game that I once played in the playground on one day where my friend Katie decided that she was going to faint. And that was like so exciting to all of us that we all then argued about who else got to faint (laughs) because that was such a cool idea for a game and so dramatic that we all wanted to do it. Anyway, I was the one that ended up doing it. Sure, but of course. It's just like that. It's like the actor, like my one actor might have fallen over at one point and then Hal, whatever his name is, goes, That is brilliant. Bingo, baby. That's More what we needed to add the drama into this film. Yeah, right. Is people falling over. Yeah. Well it happens a lot. The movie's half finished now, at this point. Um which is also when the master arises. He brings his dog over by his side. We cut back to the portrait as if there was any inconceivable possibility that we wouldn't recognize this fucking guy with his dog. <laughs> Can we talk about his cloak now? What do you want to say? It's, it's a massive poncho <laughs> that's black. And when he opens out his arms like a butterfly, which he does a lot, he does a lot. It's red hands. Yeah. It's two massive red hands. But he thinks it looks very threatening because he does it several times. Yeah, it's kind of like his thing. It's like yeah. his catchphrase. 
but, it, but what it actually is is that like if a child had a butterfly costume and kept just opening up their hands to yeah. look impressive. So now that the master is finally awake and participating in the story, we cut back to those teenagers making out in a car. <laughs> of course. They're making out. Not a single doubt about that. We watch them make out. It happens forever. So the cops bust them again. But this time the teenagers are like, fuck off and go bother that family that just drove down the road that goes nowhere. And the cops are like, yeah, that sounds sus. We're going to go and do that. So back to the master. He's up now. He's at his coffee, clocking in for work. The master kicks off a big speech directly to Manos. He of primal darkness, he who dwelleth in the depth of the universe and the dark chasms of the night, etc., etc. Yeah, there's a bit where he directly just steals something from the Lord's Prayer, but adds like Manos in his shed. <laughs> it's so shit. He's, he, he delivers the speech. It's kind of fun. It's kind of cool, which is probably because he wrote it instead of Hal. So we finally get to see the master spread his butterfly wings. Not for the last time. Not, for, not, not nowhere close. Um, and at this point, he commands his wives to wake up, and they do, and he instantly <laughs> regrets it. It's so funny. It's not intentional. That's the funniest bit as well. So, like, he does this grand, like, awaken wives, yeah. and the next scene is the audio of squabbling women <laughs> and his sorrowful face. What have I done? <laughs> It's such boomer humor, but I love it. So he's pissed. His six wives are just all talking at once. It's heated and it's loud and it's awful. Uh, One is like, why the fuck is a child here, specifically a female child? And another is like, spare the woman, kill everybody else. First woman's like, girls become women, Stacy. We can't just kill this girl, okay? That's we how never girls know work. why they need why she needs to be a girl, just in case she needs to be a wife. No, all they guy. say is that Manos loves women and girls become women. He's not wrong. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> so, I mean not I d- always, but he's not wrong. I don't know why Manos loves women. It's not important. He's called his no, name but is Hands. The there's no plot. Like there's no Manos the God. Does nothing in this film. Yeah. Monos doesn't want anything. Yeah. So these six women, they just talk over each other really, really loudly until they're not. It's quiet now. And the master goes, silence! (laughs) (laughs) It's as soon as they've stopped talking. Uh, And he's all like, we're killing the child. We're killing her father. And we're killing Torgo too. (laughs) Yeah, Torgo's got to go for some reason. Yeah. So the master fucks off. The wives bicker some more, except this time they're just miming in between speaking individually. So they have an individual line and then they just mime that they're talking all it's at once. It's awful. This scene is no one sound. that goes on forever. <laughs> yeah. So they're just getting more and more pissed and more and more jealous until the worst fight scene in cinematic history which pretty much lasts for the rest of the film it lasts a long no, fucking but, time like, they cut back to it many times many times it goes on forever it doesn't stop so they're like pretend slapping and they're falling over and they're like wrestling except this one poor woman that's getting her actual face shoved into <laughs> actual sand you can't act that no that happens everything else is so tame and then this one <laughs> actress is getting a mouthful of sand over and over again yeah 
It's brutal. It's, it's pretty brutal. But everything else is is the opposite. Oh yeah, and all the while the mental fucking loud jazz is back. Like it's back and it's better than ever. Clarinet player is just shredding. Like it is just madness and the snare is just going da 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 and it's just it's chaos. Nightmare. Now we cut to Torgo and Torgo is asleep in the corner of a room on a pile of dirt. Right. This room has furniture. But there is just for some reason <laughs> a pile of dirt in the middle of it and he sleeps on that. Yeah. And even more than that is that we know there's a bedroom. Yeah. With a bed. Well, yeah, but that's been given to Margaret and Debbie. Right. But you think that's his room usually and he's just gone to sleep mm. on the pile of dirt? I don't know why no one's sleeping on the bed. I don't know why the pile of dirt is there if he doesn't <laughs> usually sleep on it. It's like, the spare room. Yeah. So Master walks in and he pokes him. Uh, Torgo Ugh, takes goes on <laughs> an entire year to stand up and ask what he's doing here. And the master's like, you failed us, time to die. So the master waves Torgo's own staff in front of his face while Torgo just winces and shrinks into the corner. Dying, I guess? Yeah, but he doesn't die. And he's the still alive after this. And the master laughs maniacally and he's like, yo, Manos, killed this dude like you asked. But he doesn't die. No. I'm just, I don't get it, right? I don't know what he's trying to do. And this is a recurring thing. Yeah. And we'll get And we'll get back to it. But he's like, you have to die. I don't know. And then doesn't kill him. So now one of the wives has run away. And she goes to find Michael tied up by that tree. And she just kisses his neck and leaves. And I don't know why this happens. None of us know why that's happened. Other wives are still fighting painfully long shot of the one smushing the the woman into the into the sand <laughs> she's just smushing her face into the sand over and over again more fighting it never actress. ends still fighting so margaret went to sleep i guess because she wakes up and is like where the fuck is my husband cut to michael passed out and tied to a tree more fighting margaret's helpless going michael so for the rest of the film now it is literally just cutting between the fight scene torgo and the master and Margaret in the bedroom. Yeah. And Margaret in the bedroom, every scene, I mean, none of the other scenes are any more interesting, but it's just her going, where is Michael? Yeah. Oh, where is my husband? <laughs> like actually with that inflection, it's, yeah. oh, I'm just so sad. I'm right. so sad about this film. Yeah. So she's doing that. She's going, where's my husband? Now the master's the pervert at the window for some reason. That's a fun little development. But now the master is back at the fight and Torgo's there too. And so Torgo, I guess, was only hypnotized. Oh, because, is that what happened? We, yeah, I, I don't know. He no, like, that's a good guess. But now we're going to kill him. So the wives lay him down on the same slab that the master was asleep on. And they kill him by slapping him in the face. Yeah. So many times that he dies. I guess. Sounds pretty gruesome. It's not. I'll admit, that sounds like a really gruesome way to die. Being slapped so many times that you die. Yeah, but the actual slaps that they give him are like a pendulum. Well, yeah. It, yeah. It's like slap, back, <laughs> slap, back, slap, back. Um, except Tor Torgo doesn't die this time either. Um, he gets kind of rolled off the slab. Uh, the master raises Torgo using his evil telepathy that we've never talked about um, or seen. And then he it's guides not telepathy. It's um oh sure. Well, it's monos magic. It's monos magic. Yeah, he like it's he's using the force from Star Wars. And 
using it, he guides Torgo arm first into the like eternal flame of Manos and boom, uh, the master's now holding the detached, mangled, burning hand of Torgo. But... Well, the master laughs, even though he's not laughing on the screen, and Torgo runs away. Does that mean he escaped death, or that's no, him dying? I, no, that's meant to be a shot of him dying, and I genuinely think he, you're not supposed to see him run away into the background. Yeah. I think he's just trying to get out of the shot. <laughs> I, I mean, think it's maybe. supposed to be like really bad close-up magic. Uh, yeah, I love the theory. I'm, also I'm because, here for it. Also because the fire of... Manos is literally a campfire and it's tiny. It's, yeah. With a stick that's shaped like a hand in the middle of it. So now the master walks over towards his most defiant wife and he slaps her to death too. Yeah, that one's like a pendulum. Yeah. This one draws blood. He slaps her so many Bright times that it draws blood. Yeah, that it draws blood. <laughs> but it's very gentle. Yeah. It's very gentle. It's very slow. Yeah, it's very loving. <laughs> it lasts for a long time. It's not loving. It's just bad. So that happens. She gets slapped to death. Now... The family try to make a break for it. Mar- it goes really badly. And they fall over a lot. So Margaret breaks her foot. Michael goes rolling down a hill. Margaret falls again. Yeah. Michael shoots a snake. Yeah. Debbie wants her dead puppy and Michael's pissed. He's like, not now. <laughs> it's meant to be a really high stakes. The way you've just described it. Makes it sound like something actually happens. But what actually happens with the, while they were filming was they were just fumbling around oh, yeah. in the dirt driveway yeah, of right. the house. Part of the trivia I found is that the reason the snake footage looks so much more realistic uh, is because it like belonged to Disney. <laughs> it's like the footage. It's like stock footage of a snake that Disney made and they bought they it, used it or borrowed it. Oh Maybe that's why the film cost $19,000 is they spent that much money on the foot. That's what <laughs> the snake the footage snake. costs. So now the cops are back um, and they, Oh no. The, yeah. This is why, because he shoots the snake and the cops are back because they heard the gunshots. Mm. So they go really? to, inve- is that what happened? They said they heard gunshots. So they go to investigate. They walk all the way to the hood of the car shake their heads and then they drive the other way they do fuck all to investigate this gunshot sound all right so the family went back in the house because maybe it's going to be safer than being outside but it's not safer because the master finds them literally immediately yes and michael shoots him and the master doesn't look impressed about it so he's either like invulnerable to gunshots or he's kind of a ghost because he's not in the shot when he's it's happening. To be dead or something, I don't know. Made sense to them. And now, two women we've never even seen before, they're driving. Yeah, that's the end of, the, of that portion of the movie. Yeah, Like, right. let's just make that clear because that does not become clear. But now we get round two of endless driving through boring ass fucking El Paso. Yeah. Like we're driving and we're driving and we're driving again. And then they arrive at the house and then who do they see standing at the house? Hello. In place. I am Michael. I take care of the place while the master is away. And then we see the master. He's back asleep. His wives are all back asleep, including his two new wives, Margaret and six year old Debbie. Yeah. And that's the end of Mono's Yeah, they're wearing the same, like, wife outfit. It's gross. But if you want to watch this movie, 
It's on YouTube. If you want to watch the documentary about this movie, it's on YouTube. If you want to watch the Mystery Science Theater 3000 episode of this movie, it's also on YouTube. Yeah, just please don't watch it for your own sake. The fucking, the Mystery Science episode is so good. And it was voted the fan favorite episode of Mystery Science ever. I'd never watched it without the Mystery Science commentary. And you found it trying. It was tough. It's super tough. Um, But it equally has a special place in my heart. And we're making a podcast about the worst horror movies ever made. And I don't see a world in which this isn't part of the worst horror films ever fucking made. So that was Manos, The Hands of Fate. Any final words? Yeah, I I sort of wish I'd never seen it. Right. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Because because it's such a waste of your time. Sure. Um, But if you're in a group of like, if you're in like a massive group of people, which you shouldn't be because it's a pandemic, but if you ever find yourself in that situation again, it might be fun to like put on in the background. Do not just try and watch this film with zero distractions. Yeah, sure. I think that's part of the problem is is when you watch the Mystery Science episode, there's a running commentary and we weren't making jokes to each other watching this film. It was just it was just silence and hurt. Yes, so, that's exactly what it is. But what is certainly not a boring film is tomorrow's film, M. Night Shyamalan's The Happening. Oh, it's absolutely not boring. So it is going to be a sick time, and we look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Worst movies ever. Uh, probably. <laughs>